0: Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. Today's sermon was preached by me, the Rev. Mike Angel, Rector of Holy Communion, on the third Sunday after Pentecost, June 21st, 2020. Almighty God. God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The story we read from Genesis today begins with laughter. Laughter. And before we go too far into the story, we need to hold on to the beginning. The story begins with laughter. It's funny in part because today for Father's Day, the story doesn't center on Abraham. Sarah laughs and laughs. Her laughter even gives a name to their long-awaited son. Isaac means laughter in Hebrew. You see, Sarah laughed when she heard that she would conceive a child in her old age. In the scripture we heard last Sunday, we learned that Sarah had already been through menopause, so what other reaction could there be? Sarah laughed when the visitor said she would conceive. And then today we learned that Sarah laughed again when the child came into the world. For what other reaction can there be? When a long-hoped-for baby comes, the one who it seemed impossible arrives. Sarah laughed. And in the verse just before our story today, Sarah says, God has given me laughter. Everyone who hears about it will laugh with me. What a name for a child. God has given me laughter. And children are meant for joy. Life together is meant to bring laughter. And if we're honest at its best, life does bring laughter. But the text this morning takes a turn. Sarah hears someone laughing. And she listens and realizes it's Ishmael. And Sarah doesn't want Ishmael to laugh. She wants to reserve the laughter for her Isaac. Isaac. Again and again in Genesis, we find stories of rivals. Cain and Abel, Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau. It's almost as if the Bible is trying to tell us something about how we relate to one another. And today we enter again the story of Sarah and Hagar. And Sarah had already abused her handmaid, Hagar. After handing her over to the husband to produce an heir, after making the decision on Hagar's behalf that this, this would be how Abraham would father many nations, Sarah regretted the decision. And Sarah abused the woman and her son. That was chapters ago, before Isaac, before Sarah was even called Sarah or Abraham, Abraham, back when they were Sarai and Abram. This rivalry is old. So when Sarah hears Ishmael laugh, an old anger rises up. Sarah quickly decides she has to be rid of the boy and his mother. And Sarah was focused on the rivalry. Sarah couldn't see that in God's eyes there was no contest. In God's eyes, all children are a gift. All children should be cause for joyful laughter. Something ancient and ugly sat with Sarah. Something told Sarah there wouldn't be enough. She tells Abraham to cast Hagar and Ishmael out into the desert, send them away. Sarah couldn't see that Ishmael's life mattered. For Sarah, Ishmael only mattered, Hagar only mattered when they were in service to her purposes. Sarah couldn't see that Ishmael's life mattered to God. The story that follows is one of the stories that makes me believe in the Bible. I've said before, it's not helpful to pretend that we can read the Bible literally. The Bible was shaped by the cultures in which it was composed. The Bible's not divine writ. Some churches want you to believe that every word in the book comes from the mouth of God. And honestly, that's more of an Islamic idea of scripture than a Christian one. But the story of Hagar gives me faith that there must be some kind of divine inspiration in the text, because as it is said, usually history is written by the winners. If the history of Abraham and Sarah had been written by men, I choose that word on purpose, if it had been written just by the winning men, there's no way that God's words to Hagar would have been recorded. Hagar is one of a very small number of women ever addressed by God by name in the Bible. And the Bible records what Sarah can't see. God's promise holds. Even for those who have been cast out, even for those who have been held down, even for those who have been counted as less by their fellow human beings, God's promise holds. Holds. Ishmael will be part of the constellation of God's promise. Hagar will mother many nations. Ishmael's life matters. Hagar's life matters. Holy Communion's vestry is getting ready to talk about whether we're going to put a Black Lives Matter sign out in front of the church. The National Cathedral projected the words on the front of the building for all of Washington, D.C. to read. My old church, St. John's Lafayette Square, now sits on a street officially named Black Lives Matter Plaza. That old church, probably the most carefully anti partisan church I know in our denomination, also has a Black Lives Matter sign. A few years ago, our vestry decided the words were too divisive. Black Lives Matter at that time in St. Louis might have been read as a specific endorsement of particular organizations. Now the words have gone global. Black Lives Matter is a statement of truth in the face of a lie. For too long, our nation has behaved as if black life was expendable. Too many killings have gone unnoticed. In our state, I'm convinced we would be more serious about gun violence prevention if the children who were dying were white. I was amazed how quickly restrictions started lifting after the coronavirus when the world discovered that black and Latino communities were the most at risk. Today's racism isn't the blatant, ugly bigotry of our grandparents' generation. It's subtler. Too many of our systems, too many of our structures aren't built on a lie that black life matters less. It's time to tell the truth and I wish it were simple. Christ knows it isn't. I wish I knew that putting that sign in our lawn wouldn't cause issues for the church. I can't promise that's the case. And Jesus says to his own disciples in our gospel today, his vision of peace isn't easy. His peace isn't a return to normalcy. Telling the truth in Jesus' days as in our own, it will divide you from your family members. And thank God Jesus didn't come up in the time of Facebook. Jesus came to upset the status quo and divides uncles and aunts and fathers and daughters-in-law. The Reverend Dr. Judy Fentress Williams likes to talk about Scripture, and particularly the book of Genesis, as an origin story, like in the comic books. And she says, we get confused, we get tied up in knots when we try to read the Bible, especially Genesis, as something other than an origin story. We like to pretend maybe things would have been different if only we were there. We could have kept Adam and Eve from eating that apple. We could have shooed away the serpent. But such a reading misses the point. And Genesis isn't Adam and Eve's origin story. It's ours. It's ours. This story of Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael, it's not about how wrong was the particular abuse of one human being to another. It's about all of the ways we count one another as rivals rather than co-collaborators, rather than as gifts from God. And so if there are lessons in Genesis for us today, I would venture they include these. If you have been excluded, If you have been kicked out, if you have been kept down, even if all hope seems lost, pray. God hears you. God will be faithful. God will prosper the work of your hands, even if your fellow human beings fail to see your value. And if you find yourself in Sarah's position, there's hope for you too. Learn to laugh. Learn to listen for laughter, and instead of becoming suspicious, figure out how you might join in. My sisters, my brothers, my siblings, God has given us to one another. We are the inheritance God promises, and God wants us to learn to laugh together. God desires nothing more. Laughter on its own won't heal all wounds. It will take structural work. It will take deep work. But it is what God desires, that we greet one another as we truly are, God's gifts, with laughter. Amen.